Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Ay, 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 it's Star Guys. I'm one of the Star Guys, Alex. Star, Welcome to the show. Star Guys, hanging <laughs> out together. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. Ah, did you momentarily forget who you were, Pete? Is that No, I'm scrolling through my uh, notes trying to get to episode five. Oh, okay. Do you put them all in a row? You have, like, your archives going from episode one to episode five with all of your notes? That's yes, right. Because yes. you write them in huh. your diary, right? Yep. Today I had the greatest day. I watched Stargirl episode five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't read my diary, man. I, uh, I read your diary every night, and I love your If you secrets. don't want him to read your diary, you got to stop writing at the top, Dear Justin, instead of Dear Diary. And, and emailing it to me. As well. <laughs> These are just well, some of my the problems. auto reply. <laughs> uh, folks, we're going to be talking about the fifth episode, as mentioned, of Stargirl on DC Universe and the CW called Our Man and Dr. Midnight. Don't forget the dash between the mid and the night, folks, because it's not the time midnight. It's mid and night like light. So there you go. There it is. That's the end of my recap for the episode. Yes, Pete, you already have a question. What's going on? Yes. Uh, I just got to say, JT says, you've got to be so excited about this episode. Wasn't it your grandfather's name was Rex Tyler? Isn't that true? Yes, I am. I'm our man. But as the generations go on, it gets distilled down. So I only have like five or six good strong minutes left in me a day. (laughs) Yeah, a day. You get five minutes where you can go hard, but that's it. Um, I don't have a Rex Tyler, but um, a Rick Tyler. I have um, a a second cousin, like once or twice removed named Rick Tyler. And he's like this super wild card. He, when I was a kid, he would show up at our place in cowboy boots. He would sun uh, tan naked outside. He um, wow. ha- was building a jet helicopter. He's built like seven houses, been married multiple times. He's a wild man. Rick uh, Tyler. So I was very excited. I was like, Rick Tyler? No, no. Yeah. It's real. How did it match up with his character? Do you think it was kind of close between him and the character on the show? Ripped from the headlines, let me tell you. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of the headlines, let's give you some headlines about what's happened previously on Stargirl. So Courtney Whitmore is a hero named Stargirl. She has inherited the cosmic staff given to her by who she thinks is her father, Starman, who died 10 years prior when the Injustice Society of America killed the Justice Society of America. Now, Courtney has moved to Blue Valley, Nebraska, which is a small, normal town, Except it is part of the Injustice Society of America's plan to do something to America. We don't know what it is exactly yet, but they've been working on it for a good long while. First step seems to be get Justice Society out of the way. Second step, we're slowly being revealed to us. Um, But they have infiltrated the town. They've taken over the town and they've put themselves in places of power of the town from the principal, who seems to be perhaps the fiddler who uses a fiddle, uh, to Icicle. 
a.k.a. Jordan Ma Kent, who is in charge of Project New America, a.k.a. the American Dream, the project that is revitalizing the town and towns throughout America. There's a couple of other characters we'll get to on the bad side of things in a moment. The only other one on the JS, uh, excuse me, ISA you should probably know about is Brainwave, who is a villain who Courtney took down on her first mission as Stargirl, sent into a coma, and subsequently his son, Henry has been spiraling very quickly and potentially exhibiting some of Brainwave's mental powers, but not completely. We explore that a little bit more this episode. Uh, Also, he used to be dating a girl named Yolanda Montez. Unfortunately, she texted him a nude pic when they were dating. A girl named Cindy, who is very jealous of her, sent the nude pics to the entire school. Kind of ruined Yolanda's life for a little while. Uh, Cindy was going after Henry, but it didn't quite work out. Cindy, Henry didn't really want Cindy at all, but she's still gutting for him hardcore. Uh, let's see. What else should you know? Oh, yeah. Yolanda, though, uh, got a second wind when she was recruited last episode by Courtney to join her new Justice Society of America, Young Justice, if you will, uh, as Wildcat. Uh, we don't get to see her exhibit her powers much, but basically she wears a big cat suit. That's kind of what you need to know. Uh, also, Courtney stole a bunch of costumes and artifacts and relics from the Justice Society of America headquarters that she stuffed into a duffel bag and kept in her room, and she is going to use it to create her own Justice Society to combat the Injustice Society. Now, along with Courtney, kind of, is her stepdad, Pat, who used to be a sidekick of Starman's back in the day. Now he has a big robot suit named Stripe. He is not very good at using it. He is Courtney's sidekick. He's actually not, he's actually not good at a lot of things. Right. Hey, hey, take it easy. Well, right. he's very good at being Luke Wilson. I think we could safely say yes. that. But he's yes, not very good at that. Was a contest. Do you think that Luke Wilson exists in this universe alongside? Yeah, oh, man. There's... Wow, what a dream. Uh, I hope. I mean, I know a lot of places in the Midwest do Wilson brother lookalike contests. I hope. I think that's where he can rise from mm-hmm. sidekick to to star. All I, I want to see what, is I want Pat to be like my favorite movie is my super ex girlfriend. What yeah. <laughs> what voice is that? I don't know. That I, went went horribly wrong. Yeah, I tell you what, <laughs> Pat is killing it at uh, raising a son that is going to be a comedy sitcom legend named Mike. All right, he's killing his it. His name's Pat. his name's Mikey, and yeah. he is not. Again, I know I, my opinion has slowly evolved over this, but I'm on the firmly in the camp of Mikey sucks. <laughs> no way, My, and this is a big episode of Mikey sucking. <laughs> no way, you are a hundred percent wrong on that. Man, I feel very uncomfortable uh, saying a young boy sucks. Trey Romano, (laughs) I think we could agree, the actor is fine, right? Very good. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the character. Okay. No way. This is not a, I'm not attacking any actors here. I, of course, am a classically trained oh, actor, so God. I understand completely what it's like when you're playing a character, an unlikable character, which is often a time for you to really showcase your skills, which I think the actor is doing so well because Mikey truly sucks. Or maybe the greatest character on the show. Sure. And I, I look at the reaction he's having. Amongst two intelligent people <laughs> that we have such differing opinions. Another character you should probably know about is Barbara, who is the mom of the family. Also, she Pat is, killing it. 
she is working at the American Dream for Icicle. She's unaware of the whole superhero life and everything that's going on there. Um, but assumedly, she'll find out at some point soon. Uh, last two characters you probably know about because they're very important, obviously, with the title of this episode. Uh, one is Rick, who's kind of a bad boy wandering around town. We haven't seen a whole lot of him yet, other than he eats at the singles table sometimes with Courtney and Yolanda. Um, another character that we've gotten to know, and I think everybody's pretty quickly fallen in love with that we get to see big time this episode, is Beth Chapel. Beth Chapel's a huge nerd. She brings her parents dinner all the time. Her parents want absolutely nothing to do with her. Uh, and as it turns out, this episode, all she really wants is a couple of friends. That's it. Um, so, and to know and to know it all. Yes, yeah, she exactly, also wants exactly. Uh, so with that all the way, there's a couple of other things we'll probably get to. But let's jump into the episode. We actually start nine years ago, and I really appreciate how they're slowly unfurling the continuity of the show. You know, we know where Icicle was, that he was in Blue Valley. His wife died eight years ago. We got that established. Now we know nine years ago. This happened with Rex Tyler being in Blue Valley, discovering what the Injustice Society was up to. Uh, Ten years ago is when the Justice Society was killed. Um, So we're slowly piecing everything together. But here, the big thing that we're getting is Rick Tyler, who is the son of Rex Tyler, a.k.a. Our Man, is left alone with his uncle uh, as his mom and dad flee town after they have found out what's going on with the Justice Society, uh, the only little clue they leave is they send a journal to Pat Dugan, uh, which we've already gotten a hint about. Pat has mentioned that that's happened, so we loop back to that. Yes, Pete. Um, as parents, did you guys think that they really milked that goodbye or what? Like, you know, I mean, when shit was going down, they really, <laughs> like, said goodbye a couple times. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Well, they were running for their lives. You could throw an extra goodbye in there. All right. To their son. Their son that they basically gave away to a decidedly not nice uncle. Yeah. yeah. Well, they also gave him a car. They gave him a 66 Mustang, right? Being and well, $50,000 cash. I love how much detail we got with, the, like, if there's $50,000 in the truck. I was like, what do we need to know all this? This is not necessary. <laughs> I guess it maybe it shows that Matt is a jerk and the money is the only thing that kept him on board. But my favorite line of this whole opening sequence was um, Rex Tyler is telling Rick about the car. And he's like, it's the love of my life. I met your mother there in it. And I'm like, isn't she the love of your life? Or is it the car that you met her in? She's a sidekick. She's the sidekick of his marriage to the car. Wait, did he say he met her in the car? Um, It's how I met your mother. And that's where I got the TV show. Oh, okay. Not like she was in the car already when he bought it. No, she was in the trunk. <laughs> uh, uh, cool. I just i I thought that was a hell of a way to. If I were, I'd be like, "Wait, what'd you just say, dude?" Yeah, you love the car, and I would happen to be there. Yeah, listen, no, son, like, we don't have a lot of time he, to talk. I just really quickly want to rank the members of my family. He was just like, car. son, wife. Yeah. He goes, "This is the love of my life, and it helped me get your mother." Like it was like that's how you know. I'm just saying, drawing those two things so close together is an obvious comparison, and the only other person I know in this world who would love a car more than a human is Pete. Yeah. So I'm clearly you're on board with that. Yes. I like the scene uh, very similarly to the scene that they started off with Icicle during that episode. I think it was the third episode. And kind of with the Yolanda scene at the beginning of the last episode as well, they very quickly established the emotional stakes for these characters. Uh, we're five episodes in. 
we don't even really get a villain necessarily this episode. What are you like, well, we see the villains, but it's not like villain of the week. It's not like they're fighting a new villain. It's not they're fighting Icicle. They're not fighting Bearing Wave or anything right. like that. Um, but you know the villains. We know, like, I mean, that Dragon King looks scary as fuck. Right. What I'm saying, Pete, is that the point of this episode is the emotional stakes for Rick Tyler. It's not about, and then Rick Tyler fights Grundy, who kills his parents and gets right. over it, uh, which I liked. I appreciated that, setting that up in the beginning and paying it off with this emotional beat at the end versus an action beat. Agreed. And I got to say, we didn't talk about sort of general takes, but this is another great episode of the show. They do such a good job of showing you this, these really tragic things um, happening and they don't pull any punches. It's like you see these people die after they give up their son. And there's all these light moments as well throughout the episode. And then the moment, the moments at the end, I thought just, they just make so many smart choices on this show that is like sort of punching above its weight in so many ways. I'm so glad you said punching twice because we got two punches, Grundy punching, and then also our uh, kid there using his first punch. So uh, that's that's smart that you should say it twice. But what emotionally, what I'm worried about is Grundy. Grundy's getting a lot of shit gigs, like go chase them down, kill that guy. Grundy, go smash over here. I mean, poor Grundy is not really fulfilling himself as a a villain. And, you know, I'm worried about what that's going to do for him moving forward. Well, to be fair, he's animated swamp matter haunted by the ghost of a killer. So um, Uh, I don't think you're saying that he doesn't uh, count. He doesn't have feelings. His existence doesn't. He's like Moss with a sociopath. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, you should be nice to that sociopath. It might get you somewhere. What, wait, wow. what? Where is it going to get you? <laughs> you know, Grundy, you know, might just calm down if you just had somebody that would you know, be like, Grundy, are you all right, man? It seems like you're doing a lot of smashing. I mean, if, I don't know if this is what you're referencing, Pete, but in the comic books, um, every time Grundy is killed, he reanimates out of the swamp. Right. And he, he has a slightly different personality, slightly different aspect of the killer that is haunting the swamp matter or, right. or whatever. And in the Starman comics, um, Grundy is actually a hero. He stands with the heroes for most of the entire run and is a great character. Yeah, so if so, someone would talk to him a little bit, we could fix Grundy, you know what I mean? No, um, what they need to do is kill him and hope he reanimates. Um, well, that's nicer. what I'm saying. Maybe talk to him, get him close to there, and then when he dies, he comes back a little bit closer. You have like a therapist right by the swamp that you're paying per recycled life. You know, you could really help yeah. him out. Pete, this is what you do, right? You befriend people who are really mean, then kill them, and then hope that they come back better the next time? That's how I live my life. Oh, great. One murder at a time. Wow. Cool. Uh, I thought Grundy was great. I thought that seed was so great. Uh, they've been deploying him in exactly the right way, just very briefly in the first episode, that brief glance in the second episode, uh, and then here, absolutely awesome. Uh, and then we cut to the present day where Rick is working on the car. Uh, Matt, super rude to him. He sold the carburetor he just got. Matt, that's oh, oh, a I, You know, and I... Yeah. And we're all gearheads, mm-hmm. so we get what a carburetor oh, being sold out underneath you. And we all know everything about a carburetor and uh, stuff. The carburetor yeah. is the thing that berates the car. Yep, that's why. You, oh, that's how you know it goes in a car. <laughs> yeah, it's got car right in the name. Well, that's why everything in a car has car in it, mm-hmm. like car steering wheel, uh, oh, car piston, the car gen, wow. the thing that gets it moving. Yep. Wow. Uh, um, 
car gas. Mm-hmm. That's how it runs. Carceline. That's it. Uh, the vampire queen. Uh, so uh, Rick uh, is obsessed with the tree where his parents died. He doesn't know that Grundy killed them, of course. He thinks it's a car crash. He's pretty pissed off. We know he's an angry boy because he punches a tree and looks at the blood. Yes. He's got nothing but rage inside of him. And then yeah! so over to Courtney. Now, Mikey. Hold on. Before we move on, one run, yeah. a couple quick things. Um, going from that tragic moment of uh, Grundy killing his parents into the peppy theme music of the show was yeah. quite jarring. Yeah. Well, that's uh, why they kind of did that big zoom in. It was like a big move, you know? Yeah. And then we get a song um, by a band called Everclear, mm-hmm. Wonderful, yeah. which they were playing like it's a very poppy new mm-hmm. song, but that song's... That's like old shit. That's back in my. I will say, there's a lot of songs in the show that are like, yeah, these these are old, Uh, and I understand they're trying to hit a certain time and feeling, but I wish they'd go either like farther back or go more current and not hit. I don't know what is it like late two thousands music between this and and other stuff that they're trying. There's like a feeling. That they think they're doing, and I think they're doing great with it. Later, you get Lizzo at the party. You guys, the music's all over the, the place. It's fantastic. The Lizzo, it is all over the place. It does. It sounds. It's it's sidekick music. I think Pat Dugan scored the series, and that's what we're hearing. That's so why we're hearing these these choices. I got First a off, really cool you. Spotify playlist. <laughs> how dare you? Uh, so Mikey, the, the, also being very current, uh, wakes up Courtney wearing a Frankenstein mask. Oh, uh, my kid. So, so fun. What a fun kid. Oh, uh, we got so a quick great. little thing of Barbara starts cleaning up her room. Courtney's nervous because, of course, she has the JSA stuff hidden. Uh, the dog starts biting on the costumes. And also, get the establishment that it's Halloween. Uh, now, for those of you I didn't mention this in the recap, but Halloween's a, a holiday. It happens on October 31st mm. every year. Uh, people dress in costumes and demand candy from their neighbors. Yeah, what, oh, what you, is that what that is? Are you hating on Halloween right now, bro? No, I'm just reminding people because it's been a while. Okay. <laughs> Alex yeah. covers his accent well, but he's Australian where they don't have Halloween. Yeah, we celebrate upside down Halloween. <laughs> uh, that's not Australian. That's British. I do think we... <laughs> and that's a very specific British dialect you're doing, which I think was called the good, Michael good K. <laughs> Yes, Pete. Hey, well, from we know I'm all the way. So I think we're 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 at an interesting bit. We that we're celebrate get Jack the Ripper's birthday. We do. <laughs> oh, I guess you're doing community theater British. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, Pete. Did you have a? Uh, is this co- is this topic relevant to our accent workshop here, or is this something else? <laughs> no, I'm trying to get back to the show very very desperately. Interesting. Uh, so okay, mate. So from the artifacts, uh, she looks very briefly at our man's Eric We get the set. Fuck you. So there was a bit here that we're going to get that is a running thing on the show where Barb almost stumbles upon something or Barb almost figures something out. And we've kind of had it happen twice on the show. And I'm a little bit worried about if this is going to just keep going, because I feel like that could get. That could be a bad running bit where it's just like Barb almost figures it out, but then doesn't. Well, I'll tell you, the thing that is going to become important about Barb is not 
her stuff with her family necessarily, but her stuff at her work. Um, as she continues yeah. to interact with Jordan Maquette, uh, we saw a little bit of that on the DC Universe airing. They actually cut out a fair bit of this in the CW airing. But their relationship, Barbara and Jordan's, is going to be pretty pivotal for the season going forward, uh, more so than the stuff that's happening for her at home. Okay. There you go. Does that make you feel a little better, Pete? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. you. That makes you feel better to have um, your girl, Amy Smart, who you are secretly in love with, hanging out with the villains? Well, no, I just think Cavorting that... Cavorting uh, with the bad guys? You can't, you can't underuse Barb and have her just kind of almost do stuff. Mm. You got to put Barb in motion, have Barb in the mix, you know? Nobody sticks Barbie in a corner? Sure. Ooh. Great. Thanks, Pete. Uh, so she looks at the Hourman hourglass, uh, leaves the midnight glasses behind. They flash a little bit. Uh, Pat C- Crack Detective catches her with the jib bag full uh. of stuff and is like, hey, what are you doing? Move it out. Anyway, on to this other thing. Uh, and that he- was a funny dad joke. Oh, what are you going to ride the rails? Come on. The giant duffel bag. That was a pretty solid dad joke. Jesus Christ. He knows that Courtney has been sneaking out and doing superhero stuff all the time. She has an enormous bag the size of her. Why is he not checking it? What What is his deal? Figure something her. out, Pat. He's trying to build a relationship. I feel like, uh, but it drives me nuts that she crams all that, like, priceless, very powerful stuff into that bag. And at one point when she's shoving her it locker. in her locker, is like, oh, I think that's the Green Lantern making that noise. I'm like, what the? Um, I do think it's interesting that um, neither Pat or Courtney want to come clean to each other about what they're working on in relation to anything, really, but the JSA, the ISA, any, all of that stuff. And so it ends up uh, them working, doing the same things uh, separately. Right. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the arc of the season is them f- coming together. Um, yeah, I think so. The problem is that Pat is doing it much worse <laughs> than Courtney. Like Courtney, she's much faster. Than yeah, her. exactly. Pat throwing down the newspaper in the scene and being like, "I think maybe William Zarek is the wizard." And we're like, "Yeah, we, that was like two episodes ago, Pat. This is not a revelation well, to anybody." And also, he's like, he knew that that his name was. He knew he was the wizard right. because of his name, right? Yeah, like he's like. <laughs> I was like, this isn't a reveal if you knew his name. Right. You could just look up everybody in the phone book or on the internet and figure out who is which villains if you know who they are. Plus, like, the name, the, he's a, it's a, he wasn't a, just a secret citizen. He was in public office. Like, his name was everywhere. <laughs> it was on signs in front of people's lawns. Yeah. I, the only one he establishes, uh, Courtney explains that she thinks the prison principal is the fiddler. He says, no, 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 that was an Irish man. You're being ridiculous. Um, she also very briefly explains what happened the last episode. Uh, and then we at school, as mentioned, get Yolanda and Courtney. They're trying to figure out who else should join their new justice society. Beth tells them and listens to this whole thing. She loves it. And we get a brief scene of the creepy janitor telling her to be careful. You loved it, Pete. Oh, are you kidding me? That was glorious. Alligators are in the water, guys. Everybody knows that. Dragons, dragons. Yeah, oh, dragons what is his sorry. deal? Who is he? What's going on with this creepy oh, janitor? you got to wait. It's going to be a huge reveal. Huge. I Part of me hopes it's a huge reveal, and he ends up being, like, the last member of the Justice League, yeah. that, or the Justice Society, who's just been, like, waiting and watching. But the other half of me wants him to be never referenced, except for occasionally creepily saying, like, 
hey, uh, watch what the owls are watching or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't Uh, know. I've been trying to think about, like, what characters he makes sense for. Certainly, if they put themselves in places of power, it doesn't make sense that he would be a member of the Injustice Society. It makes much more sense that, like, he's a hero who forgot who he was or something like that. But I don't know. He's this is a weird this is a weird pick and it's sort of unrelated, but he could be like a Dr. Fate, mm-hmm. uh, which is someone who like can silently observe and uh, help be sort of like the magically helping um, helping Courtney pull together this team and everything. I think it's because he does seem like he's getting closer to being involved with the kids. He's a uh, matches Malone. Oh, Batman going to turn out to be Batman. That's a good guess. That is the worst. That's a Pat Dugan guess. <laughs> That's the worst guess. Because Pat, I think Pat is like Pete is. Pat's a reverse detective. He makes obvious things harder to understand, like William Zarek being the wiz- the wizard. Yeah, I still think he's Starman, and he's going to take off that beard, and it's going to turn out to be Joel McHale, even though somebody else played oh, it the entire season. That will be crazy. Yeah, that will be a crazy thing if they do that. We'll see what happens. Uh, so we do get a little bit of our villain plot in this episode, even though it's kind of separate from everything else that's going on. Uh, we got Colonel Sanders, dude, who is working at uh, the American Dream, is watching the wrong man in the theater, having a great time. Oh, uh, I love it. Get some information about a satellite dish from a guy who gives him a chocolate, very specifically says it's imported from France, even though it's just a chocolate coin. It's not that exciting. Uh, but Although yeah. he was really good at flipping it backwards, just one seat. I mean, that mm-hmm. was very impressive. But that everybody... shot was great, just from a, a visual. Like, that was very well done. I really liked that. Uh, but everybody knew that was poison as soon as he did that move. Yes, of course. Uh, So we do get a little, we'll come back to them later. The bulk of the episode is on our heroes. Uh, We get to see Pat's car has broken down. Rick comes over, chats about the car a little bit, tells him he has a yellow Mustang. This certainly piques Pat's interest because he remembers it from Rex Tyler, probably. Um, And Courtney, meanwhile, sees that the hourglass starts glowing when it gets near Rick. Uh, But as Pat kind of like pushes Rick a little bit, says, hey, you want to come help us out? Um, He says, no, leaves. So Courtney follows him through the town with the enormous bag. And Pat is very suspicious about it. What's up, Pete? All right. So what was great was the way that Pat was clearly putting himself into Rick's way. Like she even was like, yeah, you know everything about cars. Why is your car not working? He was faking it. So they could run into Rick, which I, you know, that's clearly Pat being the chess master, moving pieces around, just like, you know, you guys think he's not smart. He's the smartest of all. He is not playing chess. He's barely playing checkers. Maybe he's playing shoots and ladders. I'm not 100% sure, though. He's playing checkers, and he's like, wait, was I red or black? (laughs) And and the person's like, you're the one with the piece. There's the pieces in front of you. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I'll just jump this piece. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Uh, no, that's a Dorito. You can't. That's keep put that in your <laughs> if mouth. If you run out of pieces, you can use Doritos. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Well, that's after you're after you've eaten all the pieces on the board, you move on to Doritos, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. They're very crunchy either way. Uh, so 
Uh, no, Pat. It, it's very it's very convenient that the, all these JSA items have proximity alarms when they when Cordy encounters the next. Hero. Well, how do you feel about that? Because that's something that like clearly happened with the cosmic staff. I feel like I accepted that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then to have that be the thing with all of these items, or at least most of these items, is a little weird to me. I understand it as a narrative shortcut, uh, but it seems strange that it happens twice in this episode, essentially. I buy it uh, for Rick because it's tied to his genes. It's like, um, so, and the technology obviously is, you know, fantastical, but it makes sense that that would sort of pipe up when the person, the only person that it works for is there. Um, but the uh, the other stuff, I'm a little, I hope that's not the cheat that gets all of the people into their superhero personas. Um, because also the hourglass later doesn't work and it's never explained why. Well, it ran out when you flip it over, you only get an hour. That's why it was glowing. And then it ran out. Yeah. But does she, did it, it wasn't working. It wasn't on anyone. It wasn't like, Uh, I I think it was just a shortcut. I think, uh, it's something that they'll probably never necessarily explain. Uh, it's just a way of her being like, Whoa, this guy is connected to our man in some way. And then she gives him the powers. So I didn't, I didn't love it, but like you said, I accept it. And I think it's fine to get us to the emotional beats we need to get to in the episode. I mean, I'll, I'll take Pete's explanation. It maybe makes sense. They just didn't say that in the episode. Mm-hmm. Like, she flipped it over because it was close enough to activate to yeah, him. Okay. And then by the time she meets up with him, it's out of power. Interesting. I'll buy that. It's just odd they never were like, oh, oh, it's not working because it well, ran out of sync. when uh, you've got Beth uh, rocking the specs, she's like, to activate, you've got to flip it over. That's why it wasn't working. Oh. You were clearly paying more attention than I was, Pete. So uh, good job. There you go. Let's move on. (laughs) Uh, Wow, Pete, not one to enjoy a compliment. Yeah. Uh, So he's at his parents' tree. He asks why Courtney is following him. Uh, The hourglass doesn't glow near him. As we mentioned, he leaves. Uh, And then it's over to Beth, who comes immediately to the Whitmore Dugan door. She invites herself in, takes Kit Kats, <laughs> won't stop talking at all. Mikey wants to murder her. And, yeah. and pumpkin. Yeah. And even Barbara, who is very pleasant, is like, hey, I got to finish this. Go in the other room, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to uh, get a child who's visiting you out of your sight and then ignore that child and let them run, uh, run willy-nilly around your house. Yeah. Well, the dog... Still high on Cheetos from a couple of episodes back, uh, yes. bites the glasses, uh, goes upstairs. Beth gets the goggles uh, and immediately puts them on, realizes they have like an up head. Um, what's it called? Upfront display? I don't know. Heads up display. There you go. Uh, heads up display. Oh, wow. it, knows every- okay, it knows everything about her. It's the AI of Dr. Charles McKnighter. Um, now, the interesting thing about this to me is in the comic books, Dr. Midnight is blind, and so he makes these goggles to allow himself to essentially be a superhero, to be able to not quite see, but be able to... She explains that. Yeah, navigate... Well, hold on. Navigate anyway. Is it weird to take a sighted character and give them these goggles? Uh, I I don't mind that as much. It is interesting, though, because since they 
did did it this way. They just turn them into like Google Glass, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and she just has the internet available—a really good version of the internet available to her. Um, it's got to be a bang, you know. It's like a step up. No, I I hear what you're saying, Zelvin, because it's like you know there, that was kind of a a superhero that you know was blind and was overcame something. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you know you're kind of taking that away. Uh, so that's, you know, a little bit of a letdown, but yeah, they, as Justin said, they kind of went with a different direction with it where it was just kind of like an AI gift instead of, you know, the gift of sight, which, you know, was cool that that was somebody who could kind of do that, you know, like a daredevil who can be impaired and still whoop ass and be able to be a part, if not more than, you know. But I do think it would have been a little weird on the other side if it was like, okay, only a blind character mm-hmm. can use these goggles. Then it's sort of like that to me is a little weird as well. So I feel like I think they went with um, like I don't mind this choice. I think they went to somebody who's blind with being able to read a room, knowing when she's like treading too thin on people's nerves. You know, I, true. And I, I guess it does give her the power to be interesting or yeah. <laughs> helpful. Helpful, yeah. It it more directly, the way that they execute on Dr. Midnight here comes directly out of Beth's emotional journey versus what the superhero is necessarily in the comic books. So to your point, I yes. think it works fine for Beth because I like Beth and it's fun. The way that the actress plays it is really fun and sad and poignant at times. Uh, so it works. I, I just figured it was worth chatting about. No, I think it is. It's because it is an interesting the, Dr. Midnight's whole thing was that he overcame. He was like, I desperately want to continue being a doctor and I'm going to fix my vision to do that. Like mm-hmm. it, a great hero's journey for him. And hers is a little more like, hey, I found these and I get to be more of a know-it-all now. <laughs> well, but it's like we said earlier, it's more about her finally having friends and having somebody to talk to yes. that understands her completely yeah. and doesn't want to get rid of her. Um, so yeah. we got a brief bit. Pete, I'm sure you enjoyed this. Mikey makes some real disturbing jack-o'-lanterns. Classic yeah. Calvin and Hobbes oh, type Yeah, Mikey, killing it. Did you see the way he but was he petting? Really, he was like petting that one knife. I mean, that's some comedy genius. Really clean lines on those pumpkin cuts, yeah. though. This guy's a, a budding killer. <laughs> uh, Courtney comes home. Uh, she sees Beth. Uh, immediately, the goggles describe her. Beth calls her out as Stargirl. Uh, Courtney tells her to stop. Um, and they have a brief discussion about everything that's going on, about being a superhero, um, at which point, immediately, Beth says something interesting. She finds out via the goggles that Rick Harris is actually Rick Tyler, and his dad is Rex Tyler. And so it all starts coming together for Courtney. Yeah. Uh, uh, one what, question about this scene. Uh, we, when the goggles um, are describing Beth, it says her father works at American Dream. Do we think he's going to end up being at all in the villain camp? Mm. Maybe. Uh, I sort of took it as it's like Barbara. He just works there. But maybe that would certainly be interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm curious how sort of rotten all of the employees at American Dream are, because I do think in the scenes where we've seen Barbara, she seems to stand out by, by being like unaware of how it all works. And everyone else sort of feels like they are. I don't know. I guess we'll I, I kept waiting for Stargirl to be like, hey, can you ask that AI who my father is, please? Like, no, but she knows. Surprised. She knows. 
exactly who that's, her dad that's is. That's a good point. Um, even though it's definitely not her dad. Uh, we do get definitely a scene then. Definitely uh, her dad. Pat not. bringing a carburetor, which we know what that is, uh, to yes. yep. Rick's house. Finds Matt there. You know he's a bad guy because he's very lightly sicking, sipping a beer in the middle of the day. Yeah. And that not just any kind of beer, like an oil can beer where it's like... It's like one of those peel-off tabs that are like from the 50s. I don't think they even make those Do you those think he anymore. was drinking an oil can? It could have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you can tell he's evil by the way he didn't know how to hold the carburetor and was treating it like shit. Yeah. Real gearhead. Yeah. Uh, so uh, things don't really work out with Pat and Matt very well. Don't think they're going to be best friends. Uh, we got a brief scene of Rick. Bring some kegs to some dudes that are going to have a party later that night. Uh, he threatens them if they don't pay up. They back off immediately because he's a bad, crazy dude. He's a bad yeah. dude. He well, wants to punch. That seems Tyler. Crazy. Bad seed. Bad family name. Trouble. Uh, then it's a full moon. It's Halloween night. Yolanda and Courtney are following around Beth, who is trying. Yes, what? Is the this music. about the full moon or fucking Halloween or what do you want to <laughs> no, talk No, no. The music, when you're strange and cut to Beth, that was hysterical music choice. You guys were talking about the music before. This was fantastic use of music. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, fair. What a rebuttal. Yes. Fair. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's another thing. Like, it's very blunt. Like, it's very like, you do, sure, that seems like a fine song to use there. I've probably seen that a billion times. That's all. I wasn't bowled over wow. by it, Pete. Oh. Again, well, Pat, well, Pat's doing fun. the music. Great. I guess agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Beth is being a bit of a dark about parties. Uh, Yolanda doesn't want to go in because she sees Henry there. She's a little nervous. Beth, meanwhile, has never been to a party. She's very excited about it. Uh, we get a quick thing of Cindy getting ready. She is yeah. gunning for Henry. She's going as a sexy vampire for Halloween. Unfortunately, her friend also went as a sexy vampire, didn't get the memo. Very awkward. Devastating. Um, she knew she was interesting. Thought it would we be get this cute to kind of go together because they're both mean girls, but no, she shoots it down like the head mean girl she is. Interesting we get this scene um, because it felt a little out of nowhere. Um, except for in a like a scene later, we get um, Henry uh, Brainwave Junior getting sort of getting his powers. He mm-hmm. he overhears Yolanda calling mentally calling him a jerk, which yep. I would have had some stronger language for what he did to her, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I, what I like about this here excuse is you. that they are subtly uh, what? So you, excuse you, you burp. You while burp directly into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of came out. Yeah, yeah we got we can but delete the that. The weird part was you got mad at you were like what. <laughs> um, I didn't know if the mic picked it up uh, <laughs> Loud and clear there, buddy <laughs> um, I'm making a serious non-burp point okay. um, I like the way the show is forming the new The legacy, the junior injustice society At the same time without ever yeah. sort of showing us Really telling us that Yeah we just get to see it. Uh, at the same time, one throwback thing that I did actually really like quite a bit is Courtney's going through the party. She's looking for a disguise so that Cindy and nobody else spots her. Uh, she gizmo. sees a drunk dude, takes a big gold gizmo head and puts it on. Very fun. 
uh, visual gag. Gizmo. Just her walking around with that mask on. Uh, and then, of course, almost immediately, she does find Rick, uh, tells him his dad's name is Rex Tyler, immediately introduces everybody as superheroes, lays out the whole situation. Uh, Just and at a party. They, at they, a party. They barely do it away from anybody else. Just in the middle of the party, handing out very uh, powerful trinkets, telling them their wild secrets. Just at a party. I did think this scene was funny also because um, Rick looks like he's 30 and the the rest of them look like they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> like, come hang out with us. He's like, no, I have a job and a family. <laughs> we have a family to feed. I have five kids, all right? Uh, I, this felt very consistent to me. Like, as ridiculous as it is that they're doing this by the pool at a party, that is par for the course at this point for Courtney, who's like, oh, I got a cosmic staff. I'm just going to go outside and play around with it. Oh, I have this wildcat suit. Let me give it to my friend. It will go hog wild throughout the town. All good. No big deal. So she is not caring about any of this. She's just barreling forward. And to the point of like Courtney and Pat being on opposite sides here, they're also approaching this stuff in a different way. Pat's being too careful and Courtney is being not careful enough. And I think they're going to have to beat each other in the middle. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, Another thing I liked about this, they um, they talk about how the Hourman powers work. They, Mm -hmm. in the comics, the Hourman powers are linked to like just taking pills so I think it's nice that they took out the just right. direct drug use yeah. uh, here. But I will say, um, Our Man is such a great character, and there's a great issue of the Starman comic, if you're interested in um, reading more about it, um, Starman number 11, where uh, Starman and the rest of, or a, a number of the Justice Society uh, characters go and take down this uh, serial killer. And it's just a great... Uh, use of our man like fighting through a horde of people as the time slowly ticks down really well done the one aspect that of our man that i'm really curious to see if they're going to play with it all is addiction you know the pill thing does actually tie into the character because it's this drug called uh, miraclo miraclo i guess I would say miracle. Yeah. Uh, that he takes, which does give him this powers for an hour, uh, but he becomes addicted to it. And then his son gets addicted to it, kicks the addiction, but then ends up being addicted to superheroics and other things and other substances. And it's just part of his personality. I think right now with this Rick, we see it as addiction to pain, addiction to anger, anger, potentially. Yeah. I'm curious if it will pan out into other things, because I do think that's obviously a very important thing to talk about. And it's very fertile ground for drama to play in. So I think they'd be remiss if they don't work that into Rick's character in some way. That's what's great about it in general. Like you have superpowers for one hour. Like that's so hard to know when to use it. (laughs) And you're like looking forward to it all day. Even if you're not doing any superpower stuff, it's like a lazy Sunday. Are you like, well, turn this on for a little bit. I imagine it'd be the same thing with like boner pills. You know, if you're older, like when am I going to, you know. I only get it for a couple hours. You got to make it work. That's why you never stop taking them, Pete. Just 24 hours a day. Just don't sleep. Interesting. Interesting connection, Pete. Uh, really top of mind for you. Yeah, let's go down. Anything just, you want to talk about? I was just trying to make a joke. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Rick's anger, um, I really like the way kind of Rick loses it when, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, this is the part where uh, Stargirl and uh, Wildcat ditch Beth and try to, to handle it without her. 
And, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Real, real quick on that. I love it. Courtney is like so totally flexing on Beth. Like, hey, uh, we should handle this. Yeah. We've been superheroes for one more day than you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like unnecessary flex. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then Rick is like, he, I don't have, uh, I don't have any time for, uh, playing fairy princess tea time with you. That was just hysterical. Well, before all of that happens, there's a couple of other things. Uh, specifically, Rick takes the hourglass from the party. Is like, well, if it's mine, I'm taking a goodbye. Uh, oh, yeah. After he's crushed a keg using his powers, wandering through the streets, sees Matt being a totally asshole and assaulting, well, harassing, definitely a waitress, sees his truck, punches the mirror out, realizes he could do more, pun- basically punches the truck in half. And loves it. That's great. Uh, Nothing really like well a good truck punch, man. Yeah. And then we also get a uh, scene that I really liked quite a bit of Beth talking to Charles McKnighter, who she calls Chuck, saying, admitting this thing that, like, like we talked about, it's a really fun bit they've done throughout the show with her being over nice to her parents and them hating it. But in this yeah. one scene, we come to realize she knows exactly how they feel and exactly what's going on and that her parents don't have time for her anymore. Uh, and yeah. it's so sad. Like it's very yeah. subtly written and acted where it's not this total meltdown. It's just little bits that you can see the sadness pass over her face until it's ultimately interrupted by the fact that she finds out that Rick's parents didn't die in accident. They were actually killed by Grundy. So she runs off to go tell about that. I love that here too, because it parallels nicely with um, our man. Like I think she has a big potential to become addicted to the talking to Chuck because she has maybe these new friends and Courtney and the rest of the team, but also she just has someone to talk to who will always be there. The uh, Chuck. Yeah. So like, I think it's not accidental that they paired together these two characters in the same episode. And I think it's really smart. They have their both sort of weakness is like Rick's anger and her isolation and their powers both help them and also sort of, make it worse at the same time. Yeah. Then we put a bunch of great scenes. I thought, uh, uh like yeah, Pete was too. talking about uh wildcat star girl in costume. Go up uh, to Rick. He's not interested at all. He is super upset. Says, yeah. what was God's plan for his parents? And he says, I want to hit something, anything all the time. Yeah. He um, says, I'm angry all the time, which, you know, it's understandable. It's yeah. uh it's a tough thing when you're that. It also made me think of kind of like when uh in Dark Knight where uh Robin is talking about like how, you know, that's how he knew it was Batman cuz they tell you to stop being angry and to move on and you can't. Yeah. Uh so uh, where were we? Oh, so uh, Stargirl says he can be our man, just like she's Stargirl. Uh, she briefly mentions, she's like, yeah, I met uh, my dad a couple of times, which doesn't seem right necessarily. Like, I know she was little. She clearly doesn't remember him at all, I don't think. Yeah. So that stuck out at me as a little weird. Uh, but he's still very pissed off, punches a tree. The tree falls down, at which point Beth runs up. They're about to fight, by the way. They're about to fight. Beth runs up and explains that his parents were actually murdered. And this is uh, the scene that I think you mentioned earlier, Justin. Absolutely gorgeous. Ugh, the glasses so create a hologram of Grendy wrecking the car, and it just washes over him. And you see his hand Ugh. gently trail through the hologram. It's like really an 80s graphic done. kind of flashback there. Yeah. It was like, 
I, I, at first I was like, oh, this is hilarious and kind of awesome. But then, like you said, Alex, when it kind of like washes through him, it becomes a lot more powerful. Um, yeah, I just, as far as like things that stuck out weird to me, it was weird that in the middle of this kind of like main street, somebody can punch a car, not once, but twice. And nobody saw that. And I thought that was a little like weird, but, uh, I really did that kind of graphics moment did kind of, uh, win me over. Yeah, it was so when the car is coming down, I like the like Pete said, the sort of rudimentary original Tron style graphics. I thought was cool. And then, yeah, when he it went the his parents went through him, like sort of becoming this metaphor for how this moment devastated him. The tree is gone because he punched it out. So he sort of is the tree there for a moment. Um, And then he sees the car just wheel wheel away or it just vanishes into bits like the whole thing was super poignant and really caught me off guard in a great way uh so star girl says she wants justice he explains he's going to join her but he wants revenge, revenge. which uh, seems like they're setting up uh, a rivalry between the two of them that i think is going to continue to go forward over the next couple of episodes then we get a little bit of a montage sequence we check back in with our villains a truck is exiting Blue Valley. A school bus is stopped in front of it. The fiddler comes out, charms one of the guys. The other guy, the Colonel Sanders dude, comes out uh, and is explains, uh, is like, oh, I guess you can't be charmed by her, and shoots her. While we see oh. the other guy who gave him the plans has been poisoned by the imported chocolate from France. And meanwhile, Pat is looking at the car that's been brought into his car shop, sees the truck's accident, sees that there's kind of like a handprint there, realize what's happening, runs back to his house, goes into the closet and sees the Green Lantern there and goes, Courtney. And that's where it ends. Uh, And and also plays plays out with a great song, too. The fiddle song? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. That was fun use of it. Um, <laughs> it was it, it, it was a nice yeah. It added a little yeah to, uh, melodrama. To thank it. It you, good. Justin. I appreciate the backup there. Um, I and so I think the uh, the Colonel Sanders Foghorn Leghorn dude is maybe the gambler. Yes, that's what uh, we uh, can call him now. Yeah, I think we can call him that. I think that's fair. Yeah, that I, tiny gun he produced, I was like, oh, that guy's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Also, like you know, the way they kind of focused on he like flipped the coin and stuff like that made me think. He was the gambler. But I was a little disappointed in the show where I was like, oh, please don't shoot the black guy. Oh, God damn it. Why not reverse that? that oh, uh, just because of all the shit going on right now. It was a little all tough right, to watch. OK, <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, yeah. And again, like I've said this a lot, like the way the show just like shows us villains being bad is much different than I feel like so many other superhero shows where. You don't see them fully. It's it's either not shown or you don't see it fully done. And they're just like, no, these people are bad guys, so they're going to do all these bad things. Yeah, yeah. I I'm a little worried how long we're going to have to wait until we see the Dragon King again because like that looked like the coolest supervillain uh, ever. It was really that way. That was like a mask. It was kind of like a cross between Cobra Commander and Serpentor. You know, like it was pretty cool looking and I, and I really want can't wait for more of that. I I don't know specifically, but I would place a bet that we're probably going to see a lot more of him in the seventh episode. So mm. we might see him next week, but not 100 percent sure. I think the episode after that 
if you want to look ahead, if you want to look at spoilers, I think you could figure out why he might pop up there. Uh, but we won't do that yes. on the podcast before no. we end this episode. Who's the star of this episode? Do we do that on this podcast? I don't remember. Yep. Yeah, yeah star of the yeah. episode. There we go. We uh, Pete, the shining star. Who's the shining star of this episode? Who's your number one guy, Pete? Well, I first off, I really uh, we're a bunch of episodes deep now. I'm really happy with the show. I think that they're doing a, a, a lot of fun things with it. I'm really excited to see how this unfolds. Uh, but I think clearly Mikey is the star of this episode, and I'm glad he's back, <laughs> and rightfully so, doing bits. Looking. What do you mean he's back? Where did he go? He had an where episode where it wasn't like that, oh, Mikey, but like now it's really kicking it in, so I'm excited. Yeah. Great. Justin. He really is. He really is exemplifying the term bits. Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, Tough episode to choose. I'm gonna give it up to uh, Beth uh, in this episode. Nice. Like I feel like, and I feel like I may be taking Alex's answer a little bit, but I feel like we got to uh, she ever she was everything was played so subtly, and we got to see her be both brightly positive but expose the sadness underneath, which I think was really well done. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of split between Beth and Rick, but I think I will go with Rick just because. We didn't know anything about him before this episode, and you get his character so clearly this episode. Uh, there's so many good scenes with him. The actor portrays his the rage that's boiling underneath the surface all the time so well. And like we talked about, that last scene with the hologram is so well done, and it's all through looking at him and his reaction to it. Uh, good stuff across the board. Good stuff. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out and we will chat with you about Stargirl. Socially, Stargirl's Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. As usual, we will have a bonus episode Tuesday after the CW airing. Um, so definitely check that out. There is at least one scene that was Missing from the DC Universe airing to the CW airing. So we'll talk about that as well as some other bonus stuff on that episode. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Aye, aye, aye. It's us, the Star Guys, signing <laughs> off. <laughs>